Welcome to the second edition of the newsletter. We did have some tech problems, so I bet those of you who listened to the first part were like, when is she going to release the second part? Is it even coming? Well, yes, <laughs> I finally finalized it. And today in this newsletter episode, you will learn that there are a lot of digital pathology trailblazers. We have a LinkedIn milestone to celebrate. What we need to be cautious about when implementing AI, how close are we to radiologizing pathology by going directly from tissue to pathology image, and I'm going to tell you about the smallest and cutest microscope camera I have unpacked so far. So let's start with me thanking you. I am thrilled to share that we've reached a remarkable milestone together, 10,000 subscribers on LinkedIn. You are amazing. We made it, and it's all thanks to your unwavering support, engagement, and encouragement. Each of my digital pathology trailblazers plays a pivotal role in shaping this community, and your support with likes, interactions in the comments, sharing of the posts, and the messages I get from you in my LinkedIn inbox, they constantly inspire and motivate me to keep talking and keep creating content about digital pathology. Sometimes to myself, I sound like a broken record, but there are so many new digital pathology trailblazers and there are so many topics to cover still that you guys motivate me to keep going. So thank you so much for your trust and involvement. Your presence is what makes digital pathology place this vibrant space where others want to share ideas and knowledge. And this sharing happens across different platforms, but LinkedIn is the platform that I think we as professionals use the most to talk about professional topics, which is what this platform is designed for. So um, no wonder there, but thank you so much. Uh, and growing on social media might seem like a funny goal to celebrate in the scientific and medical community. But what it means is that more and more people are actually accessing this content, not just as part of their literature research or lectures or some official education, but on a daily basis. So looking ahead, I'm excited to continue this journey with you. And I'm excited to be offering more content that resonates with your interests and aspirations with a strong focus on YouTube as well this year. So if you want to support me there, I will very, very much appreciate. This is where most of the free long-form content will live. Uh, this is a platform where, you know, you can dive deeper into things. So you can subscribe to the channel by clicking the link in the show notes. Regarding the interesting digital pathology research and developments, AI is, of course, at the forefront of any digital pathology endeavor. And I was totally inspired by my recent podcast guest, Dr. Richard Levinson, and uh, we're going to talk about the details of his podcast in a minute. So this week, I was diving deeper into the questions, what all could possibly go wrong when using AI and how it can be prevented? So um, he was a co-author of a paper called AI in Pathology, What Could Possibly Go Wrong? And there is a link in the show notes to the original version of this paper. But if you cannot access it, Richard actually posted it on LinkedIn, posted the author's version. So I have a link to that as well. And my favorite part of this paper is table one, where he structures this topic of uh, things going wrong in AI in a specific way. In the columns, 
you will have the first column are the challenges. And the challenges are divided into challenges with data, with model development, and with model deployment. Then in the second column, there is impact on AI. And in the third column, there are mitigation strategies. I am not going to be talking about what these components are because this newsletter would be like super long, but I already recorded a YouTube video that's going to be coming out soon and walking you through everything that he has in the paper. Of course, you can grab the paper anytime you want. I like this way of dividing it because this resembles the risk assessment strategies I'm familiar with from good laboratory practice, GLP validation approaches. So I was inspired. And like I told you, I recorded a YouTube video based on this paper. So stay tuned for that. So as I mentioned, Richard is not only the author of the paper AI, what could possibly go wrong, but he was also my podcast guest. He is the vice chair of strategic technologies and department of pathology and laboratory medicine professor at the department of pathology and laboratory medicine at UC Davis. This podcast is already out. If you haven't watched it yet, there is a link in the show notes. And it already resonated with almost 600 digital pathology trailblazers between different platforms. It was a pretty popular one, even though I only released it last week. So there's an interesting discussion going on on YouTube. And Richard is actually taking part in it as well, responding to comments about how useful and how necessary glassless pathology even is. This was a topic we covered. So before you head there to join this discussion, let me give you a quick recap of what we covered in this episode. And, you know, you can skip forward if you already listened to this. But uh, this episode revolved around two core themes, the potential and challenges of AI in pathology, including ethical consideration, implementation costs, and the need for diverse training data sets, which is also a topic in his paper. And the other thing was the development of glassless pathology technologies like Muse and Phoebe, uh, which could revolutionize pathology by eliminating the need for glass. So basically by radiologizing pathology. And I am super excited about these new cutting edge technologies that can actually bring us from tissue direct to image like radiology has the privilege to be working like that, right? I am generally very enthusiastic about all those technologies and obviously reality and implementation will show if this is going to be the future. But uh, for now, let me just be excited about it. And AI is part of both of the core teams. So we also discussed the importance of maintaining human expertise in the face of advancing AI technologies, maintaining the human in the loop and the financial and infrastructural challenges of adopting new technologies in pathology. This is also a recurring theme whenever any digital pathology is showing up. And I guess it's going to be, so we're going to keep discussing it. So we both agreed that there is strong need for caution and informed decision-making when integrating AI into pathology practice. So I would love to hear from you if you can imagine a glassless pathology lab. And are you as excited about this perspective as I am? Or you think, no, totally absurd, totally unnecessary, maybe for frozen sections, but not for anything else. Go away with this glassless pathology. We're still sticking to glass. Whichever camp you're in, let me know. And you can take part in the discussion on YouTube or LinkedIn. I'm going to be sharing little clips from this episode with golden nuggets. And you can listen to it either on YouTube or to the full episode or obviously here on the podcast. 
Regarding the educational resources, I mentioned that uh, I had some tech problems. Yes, we were migrating our course hosting system. And my team and I totally underestimated the effort necessary to migrate everything uh, correctly. And it's not as fast as copy-paste. So bear with me if you are trying to get access to the courses you already had access to. Just send me an email and I'm going to help you or I will have my team help you. Uh, I already had a few trailblazers reach out because they couldn't access something. Let me know, then I can fix it immediately. So um, this work is still in progress, but the Digital Pathology Starter Kit is up and running. This is the entry-level course. So if you have someone who is just starting their digital pathology journey, you know, somebody who just joined a company or a pathologist who wants to just start their journey, learn more. If you could share with them this resource, I would very, very much appreciate. So there's a link to the Digital Pathology Starter Kit in the show notes. And I would love us to grow even more and then maybe soon celebrate some other milestone on another social media platform. But uh, most of all, I would want to give people who need this resource this resource. So if you can help, that would be fantastic. And what I'm exploring is also the topic of remote pathology work in more depth. So I've been working remotely as a toxicological pathologist for over three years now. I started with glass slides shipped to my home and then switched to totally digital. So for me personally, there were not really any hurdles to overcome, but I'm aware that for other specialties, uh, especially for MD specialties, this transition might not be so easy. So I will be diving into the regulations and specific use cases in my future content. And actually, another spoiler alert, I already recorded the video is being edited right now. So once it's out, I'm gonna, of course, share it with you. But I found another very useful resource from Dr. Giovanni Luhan. It is a past DPA webinar from last summer. It's titled Remote Signout Myths and Reality. So he's a digital pathology user, in the pandemic, he was like totally signing out remotely. Now he's occasionally signing out remotely, uh, very experienced. So this resource is available in the DPA member area. If you're already a member and you're logged in, the link in the show notes should work and you can just go straight there. And if not, once you're a member, you can access it through the resources tab and the webinar archive, remote signout myths and reality. And I will let you know as soon as the video is out. I basically went through the CMS guidance about the remote signout, and I'm super excited that they allowed it, that it was allowed uh, during the pandemic as the public health emergency. And now they said, okay, we can keep doing this. But the cool thing, or the cool thing is not on glass slides. So actually, this is only allowed for digital remote sign up. And, you know, there are different uh, nuances about this, but basically, yes, it is allowed, but only on digital. Regarding the cool digital pathology equipment, recently a new sponsor, Smart in Media, joined the Digital Pathology Place supporters. So thank you so much and welcome Smart in Media. This helps us grow. This helps me create better content for the Digital Pathology Trailblazers. And they specialize in digitizing the pathology workflow step-by-step. And they also send me the most compact and cute microscope camera I have ever seen. It's called PathoZoom. So I've already unpacked it and will be installing everything today. 
I have a demo scheduled. So of course, stay tuned for a detailed unboxing video that I'm already in the process of creating. And I know there's always a lag between when I first mention something and when I have the videos and tutorials ready. So this can be frustrating. But in the meantime, while you wait to see the Path of Zoom in action, you can check the podcast episode I recorded with Dr. Martin Weirauch. He is the CEO of Smart in Media. This is a Germany-based company, and you can learn more about their mission, about Path of Zoom, and what Smart in Media is all about. And now they are supporting Digital Pathology Place as well. So this is amazing. And a few quick bullet updates of what I'm up to. So I'm training for a half marathon in April. And this was my third week of targeted training and actually the first one where I actually did everything I was supposed to do that week. And I ran all the miles that were in my plan. I did the prescribed workout. So, you know, runners know um, about that. For non-runners, workouts in running are like specific ways of running. You have to run fast, then slow, then fast, whatever, right? Uh, so my point is, on one hand, this feels good that I'm following the plan, but then it took me three weeks to actually like start really realizing it. And then I realized how easy it is to stop following it and just stop running altogether. You just stop, right? It's so much easier than keep doing it. So I am focusing on one run at a time within the run on one mile at a time. And I know exactly which race I'm training for. So I have the goal, but thinking about the end goal makes it still a little bit intimidating. So I choose to focus on the daily and weekly progress. And uh, if this wasn't obvious already, it's of course applies to life as well and to digital pathology and to everything. Like it's so much easier to stop doing stuff than keep doing it. And with running, it's like you're a runner when you're running. You're not a runner anymore when you stop running than you used to be a runner. So I don't know. I thought it was profound. And uh, the other thing is fascinated by the idea of glassless pathology and microscopy. I ordered the fold scope. What's the fold scope? It's a foldable paper microscope invented at Stanford University and now used for education and making microscopy accessible. I'm a little bit obsessed with like little things that would help my kids see the microscopic world. Um, I don't know if they're even interested, but I like to believe they are. I first heard about it in 2019 at the Global Engaged Digital Pathology and AI Conference and then forgot about it. And they had a poster and I'm like, oh, such a cool idea. But then for like several years, I haven't heard about it. And now it's a company that really like focuses on educating classrooms. I don't know what mission they have, like teach billions of people about microscopy. Anyway. Now I'm hoping my kids will get interested in microscopy with this little gadget and it's supposed to arrive tomorrow. So whenever I get it, I'm going to be posting some social media content about this, about the fold scope. So that's the newsletter for today. You should have it in your inbox because we were changing platforms. Just check in spam. Uh, if it didn't by accident land in spam and take me out of spam, I would very much appreciate it. And if you could head to YouTube and listen to one of the episodes that you missed, that would help me tremendously. Every minute and every hour watched on YouTube helps us grow as well. So thank you so much. Thank you for the 10,000 on LinkedIn. And I talk to you in the next episode.